it, it's been just uh, fascinating to just walk this road. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we live at a time that you can watch online, and we have so many that are, that are watching at home, and, 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 and we're thankful that you're engaging with us. And, and you know, let's, um, we just got to overcome the barriers, don't we? Uh, whether we're worshiping from home and, or it's a COVID surge, we're just going to keep rolling. We're going to move forward, and we're going to have our meeting tonight. It'll be online. I hope you join us. Um, and uh, we're going to be in the room tonight and online tonight. And, uh, and so, you know, that's just where we are. Um, you know, God's done so many things in our church over the last 75 years. He's matured us. He's grown us. He has moved in us. He's used us. He's using us. And um, but as I think about where we are, there's still more that he wants to do. And over the this several weeks, as we start the year, we're, we're in the series called The Mission Life because that's a calling we have in our lives to live on mission. And, and, and you know, we're turning our face and we're evaluating the core values of our church by looking through the lens of Revelation, the churches at Revelation. So if your Bibles are in Revelation chapter 2, it's where we are today. And, and, and I think God is really showing us some of these ways to mature through these messages to the church at Revelation. Last week, if you were with us, we looked at the church at Ephesus, and we, we learned about how they had the right doctrine, they had the right teaching, they, they were solid when it came to the things that they taught. But what they had done, the mistake that they had made, is they had left their first love, their love for the Lord. And, and they'd left that. And, and, and you know, this is why we looked at our purpose statement last week, as we, we evaluate our core values as a church, where, where we have determined together that, that we're to love all people to Christ and equip them on their journey with God and one another. That we're to love the Lord. So it's our, our relationship with God that has transformed us, that, that moves us to, to serve the Lord faithfully where we live. And, and we're going to love people to Christ. That's a value that we hold to. And, and you know, this week we're, we're, we're looking at an important message to the church at Thyatira at the end of chapter 2. Um, you know, as before we jump into this passage, I, I, I don't know if you heard about one of our boys in our church, Brian Mead, who, who just finished playing at OU. He just finished his career at OU playing football there. And he went to Rejoice, uh, uh, walked on at OU, was a pretty good athlete at Rejoice, and walked on at OU. He just got an award. Uh, he broke a record for the University of Oklahoma in playing in more football games than any player in the history of Oklahoma football. He, he played in 66 games. And, uh, and the, the closest one to him was, uh, was 55 games. Now, they, they were saying that nobody's going to break Brian's record because he got an extra year because of COVID. Um, and he played in, 50, in 66 games. And you know what I was thinking about as I was processing Brian and just these times that we are in, these crazy times that we're in? Do you know that the best coaches that you know, you know what those coaches do? They put the best players in the game when the game is most critical, right? That's a good coach. Well, let's think about the sovereignty of God. 
God, in all his wisdom, in all his sovereignty, has called you and I, the master of this whole place, has called you and I to live and to serve his church in this community during these days. And I'll tell you, the fact that God has put us in the game during this time, in spite of the questions, in spite of sometimes the doubts, it gives me confidence that God knows what he's doing. And so, as we look at the church at Thyatira today, you know what I hope we see and I pray we, we, we learn today that if we're going to be a church that God uses, if we're going to be a faithful church during this crazy time in the history of the world, that we've got to be a church that's totally committed to the Word of God. Now, um, one of our core values that we have as a church that we're focusing on today is that is that in our church, it's, it's a value for us to, to, to learn how to connect God's truth to our daily lives. This is an important value for us. And this is something I pray we embrace and you get as you serve the Lord in, through the ministries of our church, that you become skillful and intentional about taking the truths of God's Word and connecting them to your daily life. Now, here's what I want us to do today. I want us to hear the Word Okay, that's the prayer today, that God allows us to hear his word clearly. So as we turn our face to this message in Thyatira, I want you to just lean into the Lord and, and ask the Lord, just, just pay attention as we read the raw text, just the word of God. See what, see what stands out to you as we read it. And then I want you to highlight it in your, in your Bible, in your mind. Would you stand with me? And let's look at Revelation 2. We're going to read verses 18 through 29. See what stands out. See what you need to highlight today. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, and faith, and service, and patient endurance, and your latter works exceed the first. But this I have against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and the one who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Maybe may be seated. Now, now, it's helpful when you read any passage of Scripture that you highlight it, you lean into it. So often when we read the Word of God, we just kind of check out mentally. And I think it's very important that you highlight, you lean into it. And this is key to, to learning how to connect God's truth to your daily life. God's Word is relevant to everywhere we, we live, every time in the history of the world. And, 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 and here's what we've come to understand in our church, that, that, that God's Word shapes what we think, and it impacts how we live. This is so very important, to allow God's Word to, to shape our thinking, God's Word to impact our lives. I often say it another way, that, that God's Word shapes our beliefs and our practices, and this is so very important. I want to highlight one example in our, in our church, how we are working to allow God's Word to shape our thinking. Uh, we, we've advertised, and we, it was on the video today, if you saw the announcement video about January 26th, the 26th, um, 26th, Wednesday. January 26th, we're, we're doing Ramsey Plus. We have a Wednesday night where we're coming together and challenging people to come together to, to, to really embrace uh, this Ramsey Plus gift that we're giving to every church member. We're giving you every resource from Dave Ramsey. And now the goal is not just to do a financial peace class. The goal is to grow spiritually. The, grow, the goal is to learn to, 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 to grow into financial maturity in your life. You know, you know, when I think about the church in America, one of the, one of the struggles that Christians in America really have is we, we've not really grown to honor the Lord with our finances. Many Christians haven't learned this. And so we are striving to uh, understand God's Word because God's Word speaks greatly to how, to how to give and how to live our lives, especially when it comes to the way we spend our money. And so we're... We're going to grow up in this. So I want to challenge you to take advantage of this. And, and, and you know, even just this week, I, was, I go through a one-year Bible as in my devotional life. I was reading Psalm 15, and, and, I, and, and this just, I highlighted this verse as I was reading Psalm 15. It was, in the end of Psalm 15, it kind of gives this uh, picture of financial maturity in Psalm 15. And at the end, you know what it says about those that, that honor the Lord with their money, specifically with this one particular issue of Psalm 15? It says that they will never be shaken. And now think about this. This is what, this is what God's Word does to us. When, when you live by the Word of God, it makes you stable. Jesus referenced this. It's, he said that when you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, your life is on a rock. When the rains come, when the winds blow, you won't fall. Your life won't crash. And, and I just want us to notice how the Bible gives wisdom and insight into your life. And this is why it's very important for us to learn how to take the truth of God's Word and connect it to our daily lives. Now, at our church, if you're wondering, this is what we believe about the Bible. We believe the Bible is inspired, infallible, inerrant. 
And here's what I mean by that. Inspired means that, that God directed these words to be written down. So as we looked at this letter from Thyatira, it's God inspiring John, God working in John's life, and he's writing this letter. And this is a word from God, not just John. John is just the vehicle. He was inspired. The, the, the Bible's infallible, meaning from, from start to finish, this book can show you how to live your life. That God's given us his word to guide us every step of the way. By inerrant, meaning that when it's without error, inerrant means without error. That means when all the facts are known and the scriptures in their original autographs are properly interpreted, that everything in this book will be completely true. That's what we believe about the Bible. That's why we work so hard to connect it to our daily lives. And I want to challenge you to, to join us in this journey of, of growing in our, in our understanding of God's Word. You, you know what 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, let me remind you of that or, or mention that verse. It's so very important. All Scripture is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. And so God's word is, is such a, a joy to us. And, and as, I, as I read this passage, this message to Thyatira, I can't help but highlight the importance of following the word of God. But to really understand the word of God, you don't just highlight it. You need to explain it. And let's, let's turn into, uh, I want to take a few minutes to explain some key things in this passage. Let's look at it. You know, uh, look back at verse 18 and 19. You know, it's the Apostle John that was receiving this message from Jesus. And, and, um, and, and I bet, I bet he was a little surprised when, when this message came to Thyatira. I mean, I mean, Thyatira, let me give you some, some background on Thyatira. It's, it wasn't that important of a place. It was kind of like Godibo, Oklahoma. Anybody ever been to Godibo? Okay, I have. I preached in Godibo, Nick. I preached at the Baptist church in Godibo when I was a freshman in college. I've actually been there. Now, it's a small town. Okay, it's not. I, I, I think they had one stoplight when I, when I went there. And, or maybe like Keith's favorite town, Dog Bite, Arkansas, you know? Uh, the, the Thyatira is like that. It's podunk. And in fact, Thyatira was, uh, how would you like to live in this city? Uh, um, they, they were the, it was like a kamikaze city because they were the, they were built, this city was built to be the first city that an invading army would come into because they would have to attack Thyatira, then everybody else would know an enemy's coming. How'd you like to live there? That's called El Bummer. Uh, that's a bummer. But verse 19, look at look what we read about Thyatira. Um, um, we, we know about it. it there's, there's one other place in the Bible that Thyatira is mentioned. I just want to highlight, Lydia was from Thyatira. Remember her? She was the seller of purple and a lady, a lady businesswoman that was very successful. But, and, and most people think that she's the one that went back to Thyatira to start the church there, but uh, that's the, the theory. But in verse 19, it says, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. 
Notice about the church that your latter works exceeded the first. You know what's interesting is they, they had some good works. They, they had a faith towards God. They had a love for people. They were willing to, to persevere. And, and, and they, uh, you know, honestly, I think that if we were hanging out in the church at Thyatira, we'd go, man, this is a pretty impressive church. But what's interesting about the church at Thyatira, Christ had more negative things to say than any of the churches in Revelation. And let's, let's compare this for a second. Remember Ephesus, we looked at last week. Ephesus had this, they were, they had good doctrine, but they weren't very loving. Which, and sometimes that, that's been, that's been an error I've made sometimes because I went to seminary and sometimes my, my theological studies sometimes make me unloving because I think I'm smart. We gotta be careful with that. Because if you study the Bible correctly, you really don't get more arrogant, you get more humble and grateful. And, and, and Ephesus lost their love because they had their doctrine. Thyatira's the opposite. Thyatira loved everybody. Oh, we want to love you. Oh, we want to love people. We want to be accepting of everybody. But you know what happened to them? They started compromising on their doctrine, on their teaching. And what you got to see, and I think it's very helpful for us in, in these two weeks to compare what we saw last week in Ephesus to what God's saying to Thyatira, because these are both ditches that we got to be careful in. Thyatira had love, but they were lacking in doctrine. And Jesus is very um, corrective of both. And I'll tell you, we've got to learn to understand when the Bible is corrective. And we've got to allow God, his spirit, to correct us. Look at verse 20. He says, but this I have against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, to eat food sacrificed to idols. Now, um, we don't know if it was an actual person named Jezebel or a Jezebel figure. We don't know. Revelation is, is literature. It's apocalyptic literature. But, but we know that there was a person in the church at Thyatira that was leading people astray. And it says, verse 22, behold, well, verse 24, 21, excuse me, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw into her into a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation and they will, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. Man. Notice this. Notice the next part of verse 23. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. You know what? We got to understand that the way we live matters. What we do matters. And that God sees our heart. You can't hide from him. And I I think it's interesting to me how often in my life I've tried to convince myself that God doesn't know my heart or God doesn't see my life. There have been times I've really tried to convince myself of that. Isn't that silly? Right? But we all have done that, right? Probably. 
The problem with Thyatira is that there was this false teaching that was damaging the church. And, and, and the, the, the Jezebel example is, is a reference to the Old Testament, um, um, Old Testament Jezebel. I don't know if you remember her. That, that was a, she was the wife of Ahab. She's a rough lady. She led God's people. She was so damaging to the people of God because she influenced the people of God to worship Baal. And man, that was awful. It was just a terrible time. And there was nobody else in all of Scripture who was, who was more damaging to the people of God because of false teaching. And, and I don't know if Jesus is using her to refer to a lady named Jezebel or a lady that was just teaching falsely. But the bottom line is she had developed influence in the church and, and she was leading the church astray. Now, here's what's going on. As we explain this, so let's, let's dig into it. In Thyatira, there were all these trade unions and that's just the history of the city. And, and what would happen is, is if you were going to work with these trade unions, you would have to go to these festivals and, and in these temples, these pagan temples, and it was Roman culture. And if you've ever studied any of that Western history. You, it was really uh, dark. It was idol worship. It was there was a lot of sexual activity in these temples, and and uh, and it was just not honoring the Lord. And 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 but if you were going to be in the union, if you were going to be a part of this business, you had to go. And and it was common that Christians of the day were were told, "Look, this is not good." Don't do this. Even if it costs you, don't follow this. Don't follow these practices. Because that doesn't honor God. And that was right. Look, there are, there are times as followers of Christ where, where we have to take stands that a culture says, you know what? You're going to have consequences for that. So be it. Honoring God is worth the consequences. And, and, but this teacher Jezebel was saying, oh, it's okay. Ah, oh, let's just get along. Ah, oh, let's just, you know, we don't want to offend. Hey, here's the truth, folks. Uh, the, the gospel's offensive. It is. Now, that doesn't mean that it gives me license to be a jerk. Because I think sometimes Christians are just, they just act like jerks. I don't think we should do that. But when the gospel came to me, when Christ opened my eyes, when, when Jesus spoke to my heart, what, you know what he said to me? Chris, you're going the wrong way. Chris, you're a sinner and need to repent. Look, that's why we are learning to, to lean into conviction and, and, and recognize that that kind of confrontation is good. And as I follow Jesus, as we navigate the cultures that we're in, there's going to be many that won't agree with us and come against us. And the problem with the Thyatiran Christians is they were just like, ah, oh, let's just get along. You know what another thing they were doing? There was this compartmentalization. Oh, you know, um, I'll follow Jesus here, but that's my work life. I'll follow Jesus here when I come to church, but no, that's how I act at school. It's kind of like I, I had to learn a... I'm, I'd have learned that lesson too. You know, back when my son was playing tennis and, and I was getting a coach for Owasso High School with my, my son was playing and we're at the state tournament his senior year and I am mad at the Deer Creek coach. 
mad. And he's mad at me. And I don't care that he's mad. And, and, and Robin says to me, honey, you're a pastor. I go, not today. Not today. And, uh, and she's like, you need to calm down because you're not right here. She's right. Because rep- I'm, so, I'm to represent Christ all the time. Let's remember that. When it comes to following Jesus, we, that's not a compartment of our life. That is our life. And you, so let's, let's recognize that. As, I, as we explain this text, you know what else she's doing? You see this, and you see that phrase in there about the, um, the deep teaching of Satan, right? You know what, what I think she's doing? She's saying, hey, I've got a new word from God. I've got a new word. Hey, that ought to be a red flag for us always, if you ever hear, if you hear me get up and preach and say, I've got a new word for you. That's probably a bad word, right? Because, because look, God has given us his word. And, and we allow God's word to shape our thinking. That's, that's the interesting thing about preaching. Our job is to, as we study the Bible, we're going to look at what God has already said. It's very important. And, and there, there, there are some serious consequences because Jezebel's got this new word from God. So, so look, we've taken some time to explain it. Now let's, hey, let's try to apply it, right? Let's, let's look at what it looks like to apply this. As you see Jezebel, as you process Thyatira, their struggle with the trade unions. Now, and you know what I hope we see? I hope we apply it in this way, that, that our beliefs and our practices must be tested by Scripture. You should allow the Word of God to test the way you live. And I pray that we, we get good at this. You know, we live in a time where there's a lot of churches that you don't know what they believe. You don't know where they stand. You know why I love being a Southern Baptist church? Because Southern Baptist churches have been very clear on our teaching on our doctrine. And if, and if, like wherever I go, if I know, okay, that's a Southern Baptist church, I'm like, okay, I know that they believe the Bible. I, I, I kind of know where they are. I struggle a bit with, with some of the churches that are like, ah, oh, let's not tell people what we think about things. Let's kind of keep that hidden. That's kind of where Thyatira is. They're like, ah, oh, let's all get along. Let's all, you know, it's okay. Now, now I don't want to be a jerk about my beliefs, but we've got to be able to take a stand. I just feel that Isaiah 66, 2 calling there. It says, the Lord, this is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. And so this is the mistake of Thyatira. They, let's apply this by saying, look, let's, let's get a higher value of the Word of God in our lives. That's a great application. And that's something I pray you, you decide today, that, that God, I'm going to allow your Word to really shape what I think and do something with my actions. So we've worked to highlight it. We've worked to explain it. We've worked to apply it. Now, how do we respond to it? Let's consider our response for a second. 
You know, the response to me is clear. We need to learn how to, how to engage the Bible. We need to learn how to engage the Word of God. You, you know, when you grow up in your understanding of the Bible, you'll be able to discern when a preacher's right or when he's away from the Word of God. You'll, um, but, but you know what? We're avoiding that struggle because I, I find a lot of Christians that will say, you know what, let's just not rock the boat here. Let's just not, like, cause a stir. Now, that's probably what the church at Thyatira was saying. Um, and, and you know what? It's respectable at some level because it's godly to want peace. You know, no church will be able to reach the world unless, like, we're not going to reach the world unless we're intact internally as a church. We won't reach it. We'll, we'll stumble like crazy if we're not intact eternally. That means we got to be forgiving and, you know, sometimes we give in when our opinions are different and, um, you know, we just have to work through some opinions, right? But, but let me tell you something. We're not a peace at any cost kind of church. And we should not be a peace at any cost kind of people. That, that whenever we see a violation of Scripture, we go, look, we can't, we can't go there. Look, look, that's not going to be okay. When God's word shapes our thinking and God, let me tell you, when you follow the Lord and when you take his word seriously, there are moments that you take a stand. Now, we got to make sure we don't fight over stupid stuff. But when it comes to the word of God, we stand. And that's important. Look back at verse 18. I want you to see this. Jesus identifies himself as the son of God. You know what he's doing? He's pulling rank here. He's, he's saying, hey, you better listen to what I'm saying here. And, and we got to recognize without apology, God says to us, hey, pay attention to what I say. We, better li- we ought to listen. I ought to listen as a pastor to what God says. We, we ought to listen as Christians to what God says. He says, I'm the one who has eyes like blazing fire. That's, that's I, wow. It's pretty tough. You know what he's meaning there? I can see you. I know your heart. You can't hide from me. You can't hide. You can't fake it. He's like, look, I see through pretensions. You know what I mean by that? Like, like the fakeness. Don't be fake with the Lord. He sees that. He has the ability to see a heart. He says, I'm the one who has feet like burnished bronze. You know what that phrase is? It's a warning of judgment. And folks, look, I'm not like a yeller preacher kind of guy. I don't like holler and yell and jump around, though I grew up in that. My pastor used to run and jump. I mean, I remember one time we had these rails on the choir, the choir loft, and it's pretty thin. It's like a, it's like a balance beam. And Paul Sager got so excited, he literally jumped up on those and ran up to the top. I'd fall. I'd bust my face. But he didn't. He's an athlete. He's a better athlete than me. But, but you know, he was one of those hellfire and brimstone guys. But, but, but you know, let me tell you something. Hellfire and brimstone is real. Folks, there's a judgment. 
And do you know, do you know that the warning of that is a, is a huge blessing of grace? You know what would be terrible is if you didn't know that a, that a judgment was coming. Uh, it's kind of like this. I, I remember years ago. Remember when the bridge went out on I-40 and that, that barge hit the bridge? Remember that? Some of you weren't born. It was like in, it was, it was in 2002. Because right after Justin died, Solomon died, the, who we started the baseball thing with. Because a family from Yukon was killed. It was terrible because the bridge went out. A barge took it out and car, before they knew about it, cars would just go off the bridge. They were just going down the highway. You know what they did? They put a sign that said the bridge is out. That's a good idea. You know why? The bridge was out. And you ain't making it. You know what God has said to humanity? You live without Jesus, the bridge is out. And, and you, can, you can come to Jesus. Man, that's so important. Following Christ matters. Do you know that our church will never rise above our commitment to the Word of God? We'll never rise above that commitment. And we're to know this book. We're to follow its teaching. Um, we're to live by the word of God every day. And every following Jesus is not a part of us. It is who we are. Now, here's the mission life challenge. Every week in this, this year, we're working as a staff to say, what's a challenge that we can bring to you and say, let's do something this week Let's respond to what God has said to us. So here's the Mission Life Challenge. Um, is I want you to walk through 1 Peter this week. And I want you to use a hear journal. We kind of did that today. Right, right here. Uh, Rebecca, I saw your face. You were laughing as I'm... Because uh, she caught my, my what I was doing. Um, good job, that's fun. But Andrew Wade is our youth minister. I'm so grateful for him. What's happening in our preschool children and student ministries is phenomenal. You know, our we've had 93 kids go through D groups, and they're utilizing this practice called here. H-E-A-R. And I've, I've got it in your, you probably have one around you. I want you to pull this card out. And, and I want to challenge you to take the book of 1 Peter. There's five chapters in 1 Peter. It's a great book of the Bible. I'm, I'm actually trying to memorize it. And um, in the book of 1 Peter, I, I want to challenge you this week, in the next seven days, for you to take five of those days and, and hear journal through the book of 1 Peter. So take chapter 1, highlight it, and you could write out something that stands out or, or highlight something in the passage of chapter, like for instance, the first day, chapter 1, highlight it, then explain it. You know, what, is, what does it say? 
What does that chapter say? And then, then apply it. What does it say to me? What am I supposed to do with that? And, and then respond of it, not, to respond to it, not what am I supposed to do, what am I gonna do? And I want to challenge you to go through a hear journal this week. So, you know, you know I, had, I had a young man, young pastor, come and hang with us on Monday. Re- young guy, he was... He, he uh, um, it was so much fun. He spent all day with our staff, and we had some meetings that we went through, and, and uh, we just kind of pushed him. He and I went to get some coffee after, after we were all done, and I said, he goes, I want to I ask you about invitations when you preach. And he goes, what do you think about invitations? Because that's this part of the sermon when it's time to respond. And I go, well, you know what, Blake? I go, as I've grown in my walk with the Lord, every time I read the Bible, I try to think, how do I respond to this? Lord, what am I going to do? You know what I've decided as a pastor? A long time ago, I decided this. Every time I preach... Every time the Word of God is opened, whether it's a Sunday school class, whether it's a quiet time, whether it's a sermon here, let's be the kind of people that every time God's Word is presented to us, that we end with a response. Because let me tell you something. Um, God's Word moves us. I got some questions. Are you in the Word daily? Some of you would say yes. I still want you to go through First Peter. At it. Some of you'd say, "No, I'm not." Let's do it this week. Here, journal. This it's got a. This is real practical. It even gives you an example on one side of this. Let's do something about it. Have you gotten out of the habit of being in the Word of God? Isn't it so easy to lose habits? Like, like I know some of you are sick and you're at home. Man, I'm so grateful that we're able to watch online. It's so important, so cool that we get to do that. But, but let's remember that we can't get out of the habit of coming together. You know, here's what Satan's doing. He's, he's using this whole fear thing to get us out of the habit of coming together. Now, we, we threw out the holy kiss thing. We're not going to be kissing on each other. That's good. If you know your Bible reference, you can look it up. That was kind of a joke. But, um, but, but look, let's not get out of the habit of coming together. So it's, a, it's, it's good, and we've seen our online numbers go, like, go crazy because people are sick. That's cool. I mean, I'm not, that's not cool that you're sick. Uh, look, we can engage in spite of that. We can overcome that barrier. And by golly, we're going to. But we're also not stopping. And we're going let's, to, let's, let's not get out of the habit of being in the Word of God. Maybe, maybe the Word of God for you was a habit you used to champion, but you don't anymore. 
Hey, let's re-engage with that. You know, we're going to give have an invitation. And, and you, you, we've all got a response today. The question is not, should we respond? The question is, how are you going to respond? Look, if, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, let me tell you something. There is nobody else that conquered the grave. Nobody. You realize Jesus overcame the grave. He rose from the dead. History points to this. And let me tell you something. Nobody else in history did that. That's why he's the only way to salvation. Come to him. Oh, my goodness, see who he is. Look at what he's done. Look at what he can do for you. If you're here today without Jesus, the bridge is out. It's out. And you ain't making it without him. And I love you enough. My life's been changed by Christ and he, no matter who you are. And you know what the difficulty thing about this Sunday in our Baptist world, it's with Sanctity of Life Sunday. I know people in our church that have had abortions and they, they feel so much guilt and hurt. But, but you know what? God's restored them. That's what God does with our sin. He restores us. And it's in Christ that there's real forgiveness, real restoration, real hope. That's, that's what God's word says. And that's the gift he's offering to you. Respond today. Would you stand where you are? Lord, we stand today in preparation to respond to your voice. May we be a church that faithfully connects your word to our daily lives. Oh, Lord, we love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.